0: Steve Vines. Good morning. How are you? Well, you know, a- alive. I'm here. An empty here. taxi drew up and blah, yeah. da- 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 <laughs> got, I got? yeah. Well, uh, Steve's here. We've already got two emails. He'll get to them when he feels fit. We, we will. We. we will. Say hi to Jonathan. Hi to Steve. It's in the bank.
1: And can I say hi to John Lee, the Secretary for Security? Go on then. Good fellow. So, it turns out... No, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. It turns out... He and his colleagues made a secret, and it was a secret until it was um, revealed by the media, (laughs) um, visit to Xinjiang in in the middle of December. And... um, they came. They didn't see, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I
0: mean, this is almost grotesque. Well, you can bet your life they didn't see.
1: No, he if said you, we didn't you know see. I, if if said, you know what I mean, he said everything we saw was humane. So this is in Xinjiang, where apparently at least at least a million people are in detention camps, mm, exactly, um, according to many many sources, where there have been. Um, not only people put in detention camps, but there's people being taken off the streets and assassinated, where there have been um, in prisons are filled to brimming with people who are who are alleged to be Uyghur separatists, where um, in schools children get denounced for for um, uh, being unpatriotic and speaking um, the Uyghur language rather than Chinese, etc., etc., etc. I mean, what's going on in Xinjiang? Sounds by all accounts to be horrifying, but not according to John... John, um, what's his name? Um, I keep forgetting his name. He's he's the Secretary for Security, John Lee. Not according to John Lee. But what's really chilling about this is it turns out the purpose of the visit, according to him, so it must be true, is, oh, we we, we wanted to look at their security measures, and goodness me... Of all the gin joints. Exactly. (laughs) And goodness me... Boy, did they discover something, what he discovered. He said, oh, you know, don't wear, don't wear coloured glasses, he said, because their security measures been really successful. There hasn't been a terrorist attack for the last two years. Hmm. First of all, John, do try and keep up. The, the the official party line is that Xinjiang is facing imminent threats of terrorism all the time mm. and has to present itself. That's actually the line. Please try and learn the line before you, you tell everybody how successful <coughs> have been these measures. But, you know, the apologia for detention camps and what have you, I mean, it just strikes you as something which is grotesque beyond belief. I mean, he sounds like the governor... Of, of Xinjiang province, who, who was recently quoted, in fact, late last year, was quoted as saying, Oh, oh, we have these camps because they make life more colorful for the Uyghurs. I mean, this is the, this is the kind of shadow of the, the, the awful, awful apologia for Stalin's gulags, for the concentration camps, you know, the infamous sign over the entrance to Auschwitz, which was Arbeit macht frei. In other words, if you work, you'll be free. My God. There's precedent on this. Why does this man think he has to join that grotesque corridor of people lining up to apologise for the unacceptable? Now, this comes by shocking coincidence on the same day. I mean, his statements of these things (coughs) comes on the same day of the announcement of the um, National Anthem Law which brings to Hong Kong another sort of chilling level of, of, of control. Unspecific, he says, well, you know, if people aren't disrespecting the law, they've got nothing to worry about. But this is always the line with totalitarian governments. If you, if you behave, you've got nothing to worry about. But we don't know what crosses the line. He doesn't know. He doesn't say so. We don't know. So <coughs> is somebody standing up and saying, ironically, the words of the National Anthem, you know, the words in English for for, for the one or two uh, listeners who who aren't familiar with it, and I'm sure there won't be more than that. Everybody's Everybody knows it. (coughs) So it starts with saying, arise you who refuse to be slaves. Actually, they've changed the English from that. When I was a lad, wearing red diapers, we we used to sing, arise you who refuse to be bun slaves. But anyway, they've they've changed the line. (coughs) And then it says, arise you who, oh, sorry, (coughs) with our very flesh and blood, let us build... Our new Great Wall—it's blood-curdling stuff. I mean, it's it's a cheerful old tune. I'm not 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 against it, you know. And um, flesh and blood hey, not exactly the uh, Macarena, though, is it? Yeah, but count me in. You know, I'm 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 all in favor of it. Don't yeah. don't don't get me wrong. <coughs> Excuse me, it's maybe cough. I, mm. I, 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 no, a very respectful cough. Can can I just say that? Sit case, down, sit down. You'll be, you'll be better if you sit oh, down. sit down. Sorry, <laughs> I was standing rigidly to yeah. attention while uttering those words. Um, I want that known universally. And to john lee mm-hmm. who who will find that everything that he sees is perfectly all right, thank you, John, why that place though yeah, so I mean this is this is you you know that that chill down the spine it's starting to get quite chilly indeed, an apologia for detention camps, a new law to enact um regulations around the national anthem now here's the thing. I do think national anthems should be respected. I do think the March of the Volunteers is is as is is an interesting one. I mean, it's kind of. Actually, it's like many national anthems. It's sort of out of date. You, you take the Israeli national anthem, the, the tikva which means the hope. I mean, they talk about the need to build a Jewish state in the land of Israel. Ooh, last time I looked, that had actually been done. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, I know that national anthems, you know, they, they, they get on the sell-by list. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, nonetheless, you should respect them. But the point is that for people to have pride in the nation and respect for the nation's institutions and its symbols you have to have pride in the nation and respect for the nation. What seems to have got them really, really excited about this was the fact that at football matches you had a section of the crowd booing the national anthem when it came on. But do you know, I wonder why that was. Could it possibly have been because the, the, the late lamented, um, not in the sense that he's gone, but he's late lamented in the sense that he's no longer the, the chief executive, Si Yung, Lung, when asked whether he would support the Hong Kong national team, and he is the chief executive of Hong Kong, couldn't actually bring himself to say that he would Mm -hmm. because he feared that that would show some sort of sense of not absolute 329% loyalty to the mainland. So people listen to this and they go, you know, if you can't even be proud and respectful of Hong Kong, Hmm. think about it.
0: There was a big game last night, actually, Hong Kong and Guangdong. I wonder if anything kicked off at... I don't know. But can I just say, for the record, I'm appalled that Hong Kong won. Appalling. <laughs> I
1: shouldn't. think Guangdong should have won. I mean, obviously. One country, two systems. Hong Kong should not
0: win. Hey. It's absolutely appalling. <laughs> Good stuff. Can I just say that I'm getting into Hong Kong football now <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a much maligned thing, but it's uh, actually it's when it's sport uh, represent. Sport does represent yes. politics. It's like and, a big game of chess. And people have
1: tribal loyalties in sport. Yeah, they do. I mean, I've got no interest in football whatsoever, but I have a tribal loyalty to the Arsenal because that was what yes. I was brought up
0: with.
1: You <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't catch me dead actually going to a match. <laughs> but mind you, if
0: any of those effing yeah. Spurs supporters. <laughs> <laughs> <came around. laughs> it's true, though. It's true, though. It is true, isn't it? I mean, you're talking about. Sorry, you're talking about pride in a nation. When you see the Hong Kong crowd there, th- th- that's when you really see the Hong Kong love. That yes. you know, they're into it, aren't they? And
1: I mean, what I think people are reacting against is that the leaders of Hong Kong have no love for Hong Kong. I mean, I find that really depressing. It is. Uh, you, you, you know, I mean, mind you, these are the same hypocrites who go, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest Chinese patriot, uh, bar none. Sir, so, you know, so you know, so that, so. that's why my children all have Canadian passports. I mean, oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't mention that. And, oh, that's why they go to school in America. Oh, no, no, well, anyway, that's, that's a different matter altogether. Nothing to do
0: with my different pride budget. in the nation. <laughs> different budget. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. true, though. I mean, time and time again, you do see that. And you, you, you see know, it you, more.
1: You- more or less, wall to wall, wall to, to wall why? among the ch- uh, among the Hong Kong leadership, assets overseas, children overseas, passports in the back pocket. So you know, the ordinary people of Hong Kong are proud to be Hong Kongers. Yeah. Don't have any other nationality. Don't have a little house sitting somewhere in Vancouver or wherever it is, just in case. A little house, a blinking mansion. You mean? I'm trying to be, you know, generous <laughs> here. <laughs> Well, to me, five thousand square foot is little. You Fairly know, well. you, to you, to you, it may be big, but <laughs> anyway, that's
0: that's patriotism for for, for us today. Can so, we? Oh, d- go on. One one question: that in terms of Hong Kong here and now, is the uh, national anthem law akin to fiddling while Rome burns? Well, it does seem to be, <laughs> does it
1: not? I mean, is is it the most pressing issue? Of the day, I mean, this is in Hong Kong, where the majority of people live in substandard housing, where something like twenty percent of people live below the poverty line. Is it the burning issue of the day, mm. hmm. where well, you can't get into a hospital without waiting for say four oh, the hours? List, the list you goes know, on. The list is big, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Can you just refer to Steve's email because he's just given us a PS which I want to read? Right. Would okay. You, would you mind? So just,
1: just... he he says he says. He's talking about, and it's, it is a, a, an interesting case. He's talking about Backchat's discussion on the case of the elderly man who was uh, released from jail after euthanizing his wife. And, um, the, you know, the fact that this case does, um, reflect the lack of social welfare in Hong Kong and that, the government seems completely okay with the idea of 80-year-old ladies... Uh, this, I'm sort of paraphrasing, his, you know, pushing around, you know, these carts piled yeah. high with paper. So he says, my point is this. Can we, or why aren't legislators doing more about this? Okay, Fernando Chan has said, Fernando Chung has said his piece. Fernando Chung actually speaks about this a great deal. Longhair jumps up and down and then gets evicted from LegCo while the issues just get swept under the carpet time and time again. God knows how Carrie Lam and her sycophants sleep at night, (laughs) but I believe they have a long day of judgment when they meet their maker.
0: Hmm. Well, he adds on the end there, he says, I take back my email after hearing what Steve mentioned about Xinjiang and John Lee. He said, that answers my questions, with the proof of how despicable our government officials truly are. Well, thanks for getting in touch, Steve. But, I mean, he, he... I have to say, you know, we
1: should never lose sight of this very callous attitude of officialdom Towards people in the underprivileged class in Hong Kong, which is massive. The underclass in Hong Kong is massive. I mean, we also had this week Carrie land smugly saying, "Oh well, we're going to take money away from um, recipients of CSSA, which I never remember what those, but anyway, it's it, it's a handout from the government um, who are." At the moment, it kicks in at the age of 60. It will now be 65. And she says, this is Carrie all over. She says, well, I'm over 60. I work over 10 hours a day every day. I mean, this is her. I mean, God knows. I'm sure she does work over 10 hours a day because she's a micromanager. I wouldn't be surprised if she works 12 hours a day. But she doesn't understand that one reason why many elderly people in Hong Kong don't work is not because they don't want to. Mm. is because there's ageism. There's discrimination against elderly in the workforce. They get kicked out of their jobs. By the way, one of the jobs they get kicked out of is civil service jobs, where they can enforce compulsory retirement at the age of 60. Mm. So, you know, she actually, she's actually in charge of an institution that does this. And then she turns around and says, Oh, but, you know, look at me. I'm working. I'm all right, Jack. Yeah. Chalk and cheese, really. God! I mean, it makes you, you know, it's, it's the old um, upchuck situation, if you ask me. Mm. Time for one more before the news. Well, very quickly, shall we just talk about um, this bizarre business over at the um, Catholic Church, where it was assumed they were in the middle of holding an election for the replacement of the late Bishop Young, who, 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 who as everybody knows, rather sadly died last week, yeah. and it was assumed that... that so to speak, the second-in-command, Joseph Ha, would would simply... They were in the middle of an election. This this, this is the, you know, the the left-footers themselves were doing this. Um, And then then the Vatican says, oh, no, no, stop that election. We're appointing uh, Bishop John Tong, who's 80-year-old and is retired. Um, Why would that be... It, could it be that politics, gosh, who ever heard of this, is raising its ugly head in religious affairs in Hong Kong? I mean, the problem with Joseph Hart, according to the usual suspects, is, oh, he's he's uh, a supporter of the democracy movement, and therefore, very, very bad person, very, very bad. Let's also make sure he doesn't gain any ascendancy within the church. Now... You would have thought that the criteria for a bishop would be his pastoral record, his religious devotion, possibly his knowledge of the Bible, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, I ain't no expert on this, so don't ask me how, they, how it works. But you wouldn't have thought that it would, the primary criteria for appointment would be whether or not this person has been known to support the democratic movement in Hong Kong.
0: But I thought, I thought Beijing didn't like Catholics anyway, unless it's their Catholics.
1: Well, there we go. Because I thought- at
0: the moment...
1: Um, the Vatican and Beijing are in delicate negotiations about the re-entry of the Vatican into the ch- Chinese mainland. And you know, if a few people have
0: to fall under the bus when it's rolling down the hill, let it roll. Twenty to eleven. Steve Vine's part two.
1: Well, we have an email here from Jonathan, who's talking. Actually,
0: this was a ab- few days ago. By the way, he said Yeah, that. Yep. but
1: he's he's talking about a current subject, which in fact was in the news again today, well today and yesterday, about the Fanling Golf Club. And he's basically saying, he thinks um, he says, you know, I play there occasionally enthusiastically, but not very well. Um, but he's saying you know, that he, he thinks I was being a bit kind of um, unfair to the old Fanling Golf Club. Uh, he says, you know, um, he would have agreed five to six years ago that it was just the preserve of privileged elite. But he says, you know, nowadays the club's made a lot of concessions, no doubt as a result of pressure put on it, in improving accessibility to the general public. And the point is, and he knows this from his own experience, is that the public can go there. They can play up to 12 times a year, it says here. Oh, no. He says, oh, they could play up to. Her. Now there's no limit. um ex- But they can only play on the visitor's course Uh, etc etc and he's basically saying that people who aren't members can get there there's schools who can go there the staff treat them very well they can use the f and b outlets so you know um what he's basically saying is don't just see this as a place for a privileged
0: elite it is doing a lot to open itself up to general public I think it's a great big bargaining chip. It's not about accessibility. I,
1: I, Unfortunately, I mean, I I, I understand what Jonathan's saying, but I disagree with him because, first of all, the, the objective, as I understand it, and the recommendation of the Land Supply Committee is not to close the whole place down, but to take a chunk of it for housing. And I think... The reason why it's symbolically important, and it's become more symbolically important because Carrie Lam has said it isn't, so that always is a good way of judging whether these things are important or not, is because it does demonstrate to the public the sincerity in tackling vested interests Mm. in getting something done about founding land supply, other than spending squillions and squillions of public money on reclamation of Lantau, which is the current favoured plan. Now it's very interesting Carrie Lam has singled out the Fanling Golf Club and the suspicions everybody has about the need to protect the interests of the elite above everything else were confirmed by her this week. I mean there's all sorts of proposals about land supply but she chooses to talk about the Fanling Golf Club. Oh well, you know there's a general review on about recreational club licenses. I don't want to preempt it. People shouldn't obsess about the Fanling Golf Course. I'm thinking well, they're not obsessing about it; they're just mentioning it as you as, just have <laughs> as as a as an obvious place to look at if you want to increase land supply. So, I, the suggestion that came from the land supply panel is basically that you know a chunk of it could be used from housing, and the rest of it carries on being used as a golf club. I personally seem to think that's reasonable. I do understand that they've made efforts. I, I, I know what Jonathan's saying is, you know, they they've been under pressure, they've seen what's going on in the world, and they've thought, hello, we better open it up a bit, otherwise we're going to lose the loss of it. Well that's a sensible response. But the fact of the matter is that if you want to convince the public that you're not only going to um how can I put it? You're not only going to go for the easiest and the most expensive option, but you actually have genuine intent to find land in places where people who are very rich and powerful don't want you to find the land. Of course, the biggest source of that land are pieces of land, so-called brownfield sites owned by members of the Hongyi Cook. And we all know that there's, there's a privileged and, and moneyed group that, that the government is absolutely petrified of touching, and it's very interesting what Carrie Lam said this week. She said, "Oh, oh," because she's already preempted the the outcome of this study by saying, "Oh, well, actually, we've got another proposal which wasn't even included in the study which we like." But she actually comes around and says, "This is the sort of beauty of the bureaucrats is they know how to do this." She says, "Well, it would be very irresponsible for me to accept every suggestion by specialists." First of all, Carrie, this wasn't suggestions by specialists. This was a public consultation which you yourself organised and said you would listen to. So she's already going, well, it's very irresponsible just because people are saying things. I've got to listen to them. That's apparently, in her view, what is um, uh, irresponsible. And then she says, um, (coughs) anyway, you know... Um, external consultants, you know, they may be wrong, they may be right. Well, yes, 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 I can see where she's coming from on that. But I mean, it looks to me as though this report is heading in exactly the same direction as the report that was completed in 2014 on the universal pension scheme, which very clearly and unambiguously said, you know, this is something Hong Kong really's got to do. And the government response was, oh, well, yes, but, you know, it's going to cost a lot of money. You know, we don't have any money. What? We don't have a lot of money? <laughs> have a look at the bridge to nowhere. Well, it's true that they are plundering the resources as we speak. I mean, I'm worried to go outside in case they, they build a new white elephant and, you know, obstruct oh, the what's road. It <coughs> what, what's it going to be? Well, the newest of the new white elephants is this, 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 this enormous land reclamation project, which is just, you know, is going to cost quite literally trillions. And is getting the property developers very excited because they can already see they'll have to buy new cash registers because the existing ones <coughs> are absolutely not big enough for the task. But, you know, I mean, she's already making it very clear that this is going out there in the recycling heap before you get anywhere. And, you know, again, everything's... This week, everything seems to be coming together. Mm. So they have a report. I mean, this is, you've got to laugh at them. They've got... They've got a certain amount of skill, these bureaucrats. So there was there there was a lot of criticism over the terminally useless cruise terminal. Again, vast billions of public money poured into it, and the government came out with an extraordinary statement this week, saying, "Oh, oh, wait a minute, it's been quite a success." Uh, How do you work that out? Mm. Well, we've already exceeded our targets for two twenty three, I think it is. Oh no, wait a minute. Sit down and think about this. You make your own target. So if your target is one ship per week and you get two ships per week, so what? It's still a failure. Yeah. When pressed, the same weasel who said, oh, we've exceeded our target, said, oh, you know, half the week it's occupied. I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute, did I hear that rightly? <laughs> is half the week, is that what you call a good result? A terminal that's hardly used, i.e. half the year it's used and half the year it isn't used... Not used at all. Not a single ship goes in there. Anybody who's been there will know it's a complete hellhole. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible place with no proper transport uh, linking facilities. I mean, <coughs> there's a number of minibuses that, 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 that try and get in and out. But, you know, other than that, it's, it's just a complete white elephant. Mm. But, you know, you can say, well, you know, our targets have, um, our targets have been exceeded. Well... Good if your targets are so
0: miserable, of course they've been exceeded. But why don't you measure it by actual use? Was it like, what was it like? Um, we've decided (coughs) to make the you know, with the MTR checking into all and there, well, Pandora's box, Pandora's station. Um, well, we've actually decided to make the thing a bit deeper, so if it goes within the new you know, a loud depth, then, yes, it's okay. the, then it's okay. Yes, then it's okay. Got goalposts. Yes.
1: Well, I mean, it's all that. And, you know, the the, the the sort of fighting talk about how wonderful the bridge is, you know. Well, I, I once saw a commercial truck going over that bridge, so, you know, that that proves that there's a lot of demand.
0: I wonder what's going to happen there. There's nobody going
1: on. There is still. This the great dirty secret, This this great wonder of the world. Apart from the buses, I suppose. Apart from the buses, yes. So the buses are, are streaming on and off, and, you know, good luck to them. But, but... That Remember, that wasn't why the bridge was built. The bridge was built uh-huh. as it's part of my bridge. very favourite <laughs> subject. Can I now say those words? Greater Bay Area. Belt it was Road. supposed to be on the Belton Road, developing commerce between um, Hong Kong and Western, Western Guangdong province. And actually, it ain't. It's doing nothing for that
0: whatsoever.
1: Nada, nothing... Um, whichever language so what you want to say so it's What in, you're saying is. Well, yeah. Well, the, the, the,
0: <laughs> the interesting thing here, Steve, is that people who do go on the buses, saying, yeah, that's alright, works. Yeah. Well, so so there's a bit of it on paper that works. Why not? Why not? I mean, you know, if it's there, you people should as take a a bridge, bus. As a bridge, as does, a bridge, it does. It, does it goes exposed ac- ac-
1: ac- <laughs> to. I, I, you know what? It goes across <laughs> the sea. You, you still can't jump in a car and get on the bridge. You still can't um, jump in a truck and get on the bridge. Honestly, bridge to nowhere.